listening to Closer Look. How do we as a faith community respond to a disaster-filled world? I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look. My guest today is Jamie Ayton. He is the founder and executive director of the Human Disaster Institute at Wheaton College. It's good to have you, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me. The Humanitarian Disaster Institute is the first faith-based academic research center specifically devoted to disasters. How do religion, spirituality, and virtues and resilience all intersect? One of the things that our studies at the Humanitarian Disaster to have shown time and time again is that our faith is really one of the best resources we have for coping with these difficult challenges. And one of the things that really gives me encouragement is to see how when people receive positive spiritual support from their congregation, that it helps to prevent and buffer against negative mental health outcomes, such as trauma, helps to reduce anxiety, and really puts people on a better trajectory for health and well-being in the long run. Give us sort of an overview on how you train churches, for example, to prepare for a disaster. One of the resources um, that I co-wrote was a disaster ministry handbook, and it really walks church leaders through the entire process of getting a church team together and helping to build capacity. Now, one of the things that I recognize from the work that I've done is that many churches are already spread thin and maybe not have enough resources to start a whole brand new disaster ministry. So really the philosophy that we take here at HDI is to call churches to be the church. You know, they don't have to be another like mini nonprofit organization that responds to disasters, but if they're doing their mission, if they're following their calling, then they're going to be in a position to be able to pivot with what God has called them to do in times of disasters. So perhaps you have a strong children's ministry. Well, when disaster hits, pivot and focus first on caring for the children in your community. That makes sense. What are some of the challenges that you run into as you're sharing some of the knowledge that you have? Well, you know, one of the biggest challenges is trying to get organizations and churches to think about disaster preparedness prior to the disaster hitting. And, you know, we all fall in that same boat. You know, it's not just churches. Nobody likes to think about disasters. We often think that it's not going to happen to us. But just as one example, um, our institute, we put out our first series of resources on public health emergencies, like what has happened now with COVID-19, all the way back in 2014. And so we were trying to get people to start thinking about, especially the church, not only about natural disasters, but what would happen if there was a pandemic at some point? How would you respond? And so because we'd been involved in that work ever since 2014 around public health issues, we were ready for when COVID-19 hit and were able to release the first comprehensive guide on preparing. And we actually just released a brand new website, reopeningthechurch.com, in collaboration with the National Association of Evangelicals. And if you go there, you'll find our new guide that's on reopening the church to help church teams and church leaders navigate the process. And we also just released a brand new guide for for church members, for how can you make a good decision about is it safe and how do I go back to church? And we even include some new decision-making tools, and those are all free and available at uh, reopeningthechurch.com. And for those that are also maybe struggling or know a loved one who is struggling with emotional challenges, we also developed the Spiritual First Aid Manual and spiritualfirstaidhub.com website. And if you go there, we have everything from free resources to free online courses on how to provide care. We have a new children's book on how to talk to your kids about coronavirus, and you'll see tip sheets and tools for pastors and lay leaders. We also just released with Biblica 
a new devotional on looking at the Psalms and drawing from the wisdom of Psalms and providing some uh, reflective exercises in a new devotional around COVID-19. And that's actually available now in 31 languages. My guest, Jamie Ayton, he is the founder and executive director of the Human Disaster Institute at Wheaton College. And we've been in a very unique time with unrest across the globe. What's your take on sort of collective trauma and how do you deal with that? Collective trauma is something that within the humanitarian field, even though that terminology is relatively new being used here in the U.S., it's something that I know I've seen firsthand uh, in other countries, and I definitely would say that that's occurring here in the U.S. We're looking at how systems impact people and how even when an event may happen hundreds of miles away from someone, the psychological impact can still be felt and have a strong vicarious impact on others. For somebody listening right now who's going through or experiencing that sense of trauma, how can they get help? How can they have some more peace? Well, one of the things I would encourage is if they start to notice that like significant changes in their behavior. So really kind of think about it as like a pendulum. If uh, we're kind of operating most days somewhere in the middle, if suddenly you notice like a major upswing, say where you're suddenly feeling tired all the time, like you can't get out of bed, or if the pendulum were to swing the other direction, where suddenly you feel like you you're always awake, you have way too much energy, that kind of swinging motion in our behaviors, our emotions can be kind of a red flag, so to speak, that we might need to seek out professional support. But what I would encourage everyone to do is make sure that we're spending time in scripture, we're spending time in prayer that provides us hope and leading into God's presence. Also to not be afraid to reach out to family or friends, even if it is virtually right now because of COVID-19. And don't be afraid to ask for help. And then one of the last things that we can do is also to help others. One of the things that we've seen in research studies has been that when we perform acts of altruism, such as providing support to others in need, it also has a positive benefit on our own well-being. Being of service to other people gets us out of ourselves and our own, whatever we're experiencing at that moment. Absolutely. And I just want to encourage uh, listeners as well to know that you don't have to have a doctorate, you know, and be a psychologist like myself to do this that just providing some basic presence to those that are hurting is going to speak more deeply than any words you could ever say. What aspects of the disaster reaction do you study? I primarily focus in on emotional needs as well as faith issues within the disaster context. So I'm particularly interested in how does our faith help us to be able to navigate and promote uh, resilience in the aftermath of tragedy. Okay, and so give us some examples if you would. I'm sure you've run into situations, met people over the years who have been extremely resilient in the face of disaster. One of the things that we just published was a brand new research article in the American Psychological Association Journal of Psychological Trauma. And we published a 44-year review. So this is where we went through and we looked at every single um, empirical study that's ever been published in um, the field of psychology on religion and disaster mental health. And what we found was the biggest takeaway was uh, it wasn't just how religious that predicted if a person was going to be resilient, but it was actually more about how one engages their faith that predicts resilience. So being involved in church, being involved in altruism, things like that might impact how resilient one is. Exactly. So it it really is about how do we start to access those resources from within our faith community, but it also even has to do with our understanding 
in response to a disaster. So for example, let's say, Monica, that both of us go through uh, the same disaster, both of us lose our home, but both of us survive. And perhaps you come out of it and your perspective is, yet yeah, you know, you're, you're grieving, but you believe that God is a loving God and you find comfort in him during that event. But perhaps I view God as being more of a harsh and judgmental God, and that maybe I view that God sent that tornado to strike specifically because of something that I've done in my life. And if I have that more wrathful view of God, then psychologically, we know that that individual, because of how they engage their faith, is going to be struggling more. So it's all our perspective. Oh, yes. The perspective piece has a huge part. In fact, we also did another study that was similar to that just recently, where we were looking at theodicy, trying to understand people's views of God and good and evil, and found that, again, our beliefs can have such a huge impact. Because what tends to happen is where the struggles that most people encounter come from, it's when our kind of our head knowledge of God and our heart knowledge of God don't line up when there's a discrepancy. Do you provide resources to sort of connect the dots for somebody who doesn't have a view of God that is positive and loving? Maybe they're like, well, I did think he was loving until this thing happened to me. That is the sort of thing that I've encountered in almost every single disaster I've ever responded to in my career. And that's one of the reasons why we developed the new spiritual first aid manual. And in it, we try to take the guesswork out of it for the helper. And specifically, it's designed for neighbor to help neighbor or a lay leader. So you don't have to be a trained mental health professional to use it. And in this model, we teach what's called the BLESS method. So just a real simple way of helping, which is to look at what are the belonging needs that person has. So like the social needs, and then looking at what are the livelihoods they need. You know, are they able to still get their bills paid and take care of themselves? You know, how's their health? And then we look at the emotional needs, the spiritual needs, and safety needs that that individual has, and we outline a specific intervention for each one of those to be able to provide care to our neighbors. Now, there are lots of different kinds of disasters that one can go through. You know, there are natural disasters, there's war. Uh, there are also things that we've been experiencing more often here in America, like mass shootings. Is the response different for each disaster? With a, for instance, um, a natural disaster, most of that trauma occurs early on, and then you go about a year out. And most out of the general population, maybe only 10% to 20% may still be struggling with symptoms. But by and large, most people will bounce back. But in the event of a technical disaster, and then I think it's very similar also with what we're seeing with COVID-19, is that oftentimes the mental health impact comes not at the beginning so much, but it actually it goes lower level and it takes a while before it really starts to get challenging. You know, so as people start to see the fallout with COVID-19, for example, around the economy, you know, another wave coming through, that people start to get more disillusioned and that I think the mental health struggles are going to be more severe to come. Okay. And in those situations, what do you recommend for somebody who may be right now listening, who's struggling with depression or anxiety? One of the things that I would encourage is that they think about what is it that they've done in the past that has helped them get through difficult times? Or what is it before COVID-19 that they had been doing that helped them to live a healthy lifestyle? One of the things, ironically, that tends to happen is that when we are under extreme stress, that we tend to throw out the things that would help us out the door. You know, that maybe it was, you know, exercising or a positive diet or trying to connect with friends over the phone regularly, that when we get stressed, we tend to isolate and stop doing those things. And it can actually heighten our symptoms. 
So again, we'd look for ways to care for our whole selves, thinking about our spiritual, emotional, social, and physical needs. My guest, Jamie Ayton, he is the founder and executive director of the Human Disaster Institute at Wheaton College. What about those of us who have our nose in the news too much, or maybe in social media, and there's sort of a, a burnout? Absolutely. And, and, and that's a very real phenomenon. And one of the things that at the Humanitarian Disaster Institute that we try to communicate to others is that it is important to stay informed, that we want to seek out good and trusted and vetted information from reliable sources, because that, that is one way that we can cope with uncertainty in times like this. But at the same time, we've noticed that many people start to uh, overindulge their sense of curiosity or wanting to know information and always are in the news. And I just want to say that that's not healthy. If you are starting to find yourself almost compulsively having to check the news or that you're constantly worried that you're missing something in the news, that that probably is a good sign that you're overexposing yourself. And if you're feeling anxious, give yourself a break from the news for a little while and then go back when you're ready. You know, it's also okay for you to be able to find things that you enjoy and read even during difficult times. You know, so I always try to encourage others to be engaged in what brings you joy, even in the midst of adversity. Jamie Aiton, can you give us your website? Sure. So the website I would encourage you to go to is spiritualfirstaidhub.com. And there you'll find our spiritual and emotional care resources. You can also find more at reopeningthechurch.com. And there you'll find resources more for church leaders and church attendees focused on COVID-19. And you can also visit our website overall to learn more about our master's program at wheaton.edu backslash HDL. Thank you so much for being with me today on Closer Look. Thanks so much for having me. And for Closer Look, I'm Monica Kelly.